Well, it's lovely to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Rachel, and I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I've just got a few minutes to talk to you from the Bible. And, um, but first of all, I've just got to say, that was stunning, wasn't it? Was that stunning? Those stories, those testimonies of what Jesus has been doing in the lives of Shaz and Hugo were so moving. And what a great garden we've got at church. If you're wondering where that was filmed, it was filmed in the garden at the back. Um, so thank you so much, Shaz and Hugo, for telling your story and being honest and vulnerable about what your lives have been like and what God has done. And what they have actually done by telling their story is following in the footsteps of billions of Christians who have been telling their story for thousands of years of what Jesus has done and of what Jesus is doing. And there was something very powerful about what they said because they are like stepping in to the footsteps of, of millions of Christians behind them. And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. It's kind of where I'm going. And I'm, I'm putting on my stopwatch because um, I've not got very long. So um, I'm not going to tell you how long I've got because last time I did that, Ollie Porter timed me. <laughs> and told me at the end that I had nearly reached the right time and not. So I'm, uh, it's my secret, but I, the timer is on, just saying. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a witness to Jesus, what it means to be people that are not ashamed of the gospel, to use a, a, maybe a well-worn phrase. And if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're here and you're on a journey of faith, or maybe you, you don't even say you're on a journey of faith. You're here because you're supporting these guys or you're inquisitive or you've Googled church and you've just turned up. We are really glad that you're here. We're so glad you're here. And actually, as Claire said at the beginning, don't feel under any pressure to believe what we believe or, or kind of do anything you don't want to do because actually we count it a privilege to have you amongst us. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. We really love it. We love it that there are people in, in this building who are exploring faith, who, who are open to exploring faith because maybe you wouldn't even say that. Maybe you've just like dipped your toe in. And um, so thank you so much for being here. And I've got two little questions. If you're somebody that is not a Christian or would say that you're not a Christian or maybe you've kind of, you're re-exploring faith or re-engaging with faith, what I want to ask you, and I'm not going to get you to tell me, but you can think about it. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Just have a little think about that. And if you are here and you are a Jesus follower, you, you would call yourself a Christian. And you're somebody that would say, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm like all in. Um, I want you to answer this question. If somebody came up to you in the street tomorrow morning and said, what has Jesus done in your life? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? Because maybe somebody might come up to you on Monday and ask you, what Jesus has done in your life. So I'm just helping. I'm just giving you heads up here because it might happen tomorrow. And, um, so two questions for, for kind of, and if, if you feel like well, none of those sort of scenarios kind of were where I was, um, I'm sorry about that. I can only have, I've only got time for two questions, what I, what I say. So I'm going to read from the Bible. And our passage today is from Acts which is a little, actually, it's not little, it's quite a long book in the New Testament, and it's called Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, which means that it is the story of what happened to Jesus' followers and what happened to the message of Jesus once he had died, come back to life, 
and gone to heaven. And the story of Acts is the story of all the crazy, exciting, really hard things that happened um, and how the first churches got started, got planted. So that's what this book's called. It's written by a guy called Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, the biography of Luke, which is the life of Jesus. He was a doctor. He was a historian. He loved details. So there are lots of things in Acts that are sort of very detailed. But if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, that's where I'm reading from. And it's going to come up on the screen. And uh, Emma, if you could whack it up, that'd be really helpful. Amazing, thank you. So here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. This is after he died and came back to life. He appeared for 40 days, I'm just emphasizing that, and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, just like we've done right now, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes, that's the end. I thought it was. Just checking that something else wasn't going to pop up. So this is Jesus with his friends, his, his kind of like his close people around him. And he's giving them instructions. He's telling them what is going to happen next and what they have to do next. And, you know, normally when you are with somebody and it's the last time you are going to see them or be with them, you really choose your words carefully. This is not a time to waste your words. And in fact, I was thinking about this, and when I've taken my three sons, when I first dropped off them to university for the very first time, and, and you know, I felt all really churned up about that, dropped them off, left them in their halls of residence to drive away, to release them into the wild of the university, I thought very carefully about some of the things that I wanted to say to them, that I wanted them to remember, really important, because this was a moment not to waste. And so I said these words to them. I said, don't forget to change your underwear. It's really, really important. Don't forget to to do your washing on a regular basis or you're going to wake up one day and there will be be no socks. And I will not be able to help you with that. And uh, don't forget to phone home. Really important, Mom. Actually, and I also did say the really important thing is I really love you. I really love you, and I want you to remember that. And when, it's, when you're having a bad day, I want you to remember that I'm for you, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you, and I love you lots. Because you don't want to waste those moments. You don't want to waste the words. And clean underwear is really important. Um, I also remember, a little bit more seriously, that the last time I spent with my father before he died, and we knew that his time was coming. And I spent um, a couple of hours with him before he became very unwell and died. And, you know, those moments were precious to me because I, I was fortunate enough to know that this might, these might be our last moments. 
And so I said the things that I really wanted him to hear from me. I told him that I loved him. I told him that he had been an amazing father. And we spoke about heaven and the possibility of what heaven could be like and the fact that he was going to see Jesus. Because we had that opportunity to discuss, you know, the real stuff. He knew he was dying. And that is was such a gift now. And I'm so glad that I didn't skirt around the issue and avoid it and not talk about that stuff because that was my last moment to speak to him. And with Jesus here in these words, these are his last moments where he is going to be face-to-face with his disciples. He does not want to waste this moment. He doesn't want to talk about clean underwear and silly things like that. Did they even wear underwear? Who knows? I don't know. But they wanted, he wanted to impart the serious stuff, the important stuff. And if you go down to verse 8, it talks about... If I, Emma, could you just back that up for me? If you can, thank you. He talks about waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is God saying that what Jesus has done in their lives, you know, what I've done in your life is personal, but it's not private. I'm going to say that again because I think it's quite good. Um, I don't think I came up with it, but I feel like I did. What he's saying is, what I have done with you in your lives, what you've seen me do for the three years you've seen me do my ministry, miracles, incredible things, walking on water, casting out demons, feeding the 5,000, you know, the difference that I have made to your life and the lives of those around me is personal, but it's not private. This is not just something to keep to yourself. This is a message for the world. And what he's doing is commissioning them to take the message of what he's done to them and what he's done for them and what he's done on the cross and what he's done on coming back to life and what he's taught in those 40 days between coming back to life and going to heaven is something that isn't just a private thing, it's a public thing. It's for public consumption. And, you know, we here feel very strongly about Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is not just for the holy people, the good people, the people who look right, the people who who maybe live the right way or say the right things. Jesus is for everyone. And so if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, we are unapologetic about the fact that we believe he loves you and that he's for you. And he died for you. And we're not saying that in a pushy way. Forgive me if I sound pushy. I'm just enthusiastic. But we believe that he he died for you. And we're not saying you've got to believe that because we tell you that. We, We want you to maybe go on a journey. Ask questions. That question, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? You might have a hundred questions. We want to take time with people and let people discover Jesus in their own way at their own pace. But we believe that he's not something that is just private and personal. But this message is public. This message of Jesus is not just for us in church who happen to subscribe to it. It, This message of Jesus is for the world. And verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And Jesus is commissioning them. And he's linking two really important ideas of witnessing and power. 
power and witness. And they go together. And one without the other doesn't really work so good. Have you tried kind of like trying to witness to to Jesus in your own strength? It generally does not go very well um, unless you're like a super, super evangelist. But for most of us, we need God's power to help us to talk about Jesus. So the first thing I want to come into land on is, um, I'm going to speed up because I've just seen the time, is witness. Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you go back to the the time the Bible was written in, witnessing was, um, another way of describing that was about being a herald. And when the king changed, or when the rulers changed, when the authorities changed, they didn't have social media. They couldn't stick it on their Instagram or Facebook or tweet about it. They had to send heralds out to tell the news to the surrounding community, the surrounding country side that the king had changed. There was a new king, there was a new kingdom, and it was going to really change things. It was going to switch things up. And regardless of what you think about a king, apparently enter Wright, the great New Testament theologian, says, having a king is better than chaos. And the king helped the chaos not to be quite so chaotic. And so when there was a new king in town, the herald would tell the message, would take the message out, and would make sure that everybody heard about it, that everybody heard about the new king. And so when um, Luke is writing these words of Jesus, and he's quoting Jesus, saying, you need to be my witnesses, he's saying, you've got to be the herald's. That's your job now. You are the heralds. And by association, if we're Jesus followers in this room, we are the heralds. We are the ones that are are meant to go around. And we're not meant to be kind of shouty or in people's faces and being kind of rude and bolshy. You know, Jesus wasn't like that. But we are to have confidence in the message of Jesus. We are meant to have confidence in who he is and what he's done. We are meant to get the message out. And one of the things that Hugo and Shouse have done by being baptized and actually telling their story is that they've been really public in that. And, you know, in some ways it's easier for them because we did an interview in the garden and then we've played it. And now it is on Instagram, no, it's not on Instagram. It will be on Instagram maybe tomorrow. I hope that's okay. If it's not, do let us know. Um, but it is on YouTube now. It's on YouTube now. It could go viral. So any of us could share that message on our Facebook, Instagram tomorrow. We could send it to our friends and neighbors and say, hey, watch this, Dana, what do you think about that? But see, this is two guys from my church. What do you think about it? We can get the message out in that way. And not that we should do that or have to do that, but what I'm saying is that They have modeled to us tonight, telling their story. They didn't preach. They weren't pushy. They weren't in in our faces. They told the story of their lives, of what Jesus has done, of what Jesus is doing. And it was powerful, wasn't it? It was really powerful. But they were only able to do that. And the early Christians are only able to do that because they had the power of the Holy Spirit enabling them and equipping them to do that. And as I said before, it's actually sometimes really hard to be a Christian. I'm not looking for your sympathy, but sometimes it really is hard. It can be really hard sometimes to know what to say to people. Sometimes you can feel a bit strange talking about Jesus and what he's done done in your life. And so we cannot go about doing that in our own strength. We need God's strength and God's power. So the Holy Spirit is where the power is. Now, we are meant to be men and women who don't do life in our own strength, 
and in our own power. We are meant to be Jesus followers who live our lives through God's power. And most of us know that because when we try and do it in our own strength, it generally doesn't go very well. But when we live our lives in God's strength, when we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, when we offer ourselves to him and ask for his power to come and be in us, often that's where the fruit is. Like Nigel was praying for showers, that's where the fruit is, that's where the fruit grows. I find it so interesting that um, the analogy that Luke uses in those verses is baptism. At the beginning of the verse, it says, For John baptized in water, this is what Jesus says, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is comparing baptism that we've just done to, to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. And there's a real kind of helpful link there, I think, which is where, where these guys, they were pretty well plunged in water. At the, pre, the pre-baptism chat, I was like, make sure you push them really hard. Kindly, nicely, but hard, because the water acts like a resistance, and sometimes people like bounce on the top, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're still dry. How does that happen? They're like, push really hard. But the idea is that they go under the water, they get super, super wet. They are plunged head to toe in water. And that's the analogy that Jesus is using, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just like a little bit, not like my elbow worth, or my, you know, my, my little toe, that we are plunged and filled with the Holy Spirit. Head to toe. And what does that actually mean? What that means is that we aren't people that tap into the Holy Spirit every now and again when we're having a bad day or things aren't going very well, but that we submerge ourselves in the Holy Spirit. We open ourselves to him. We allow him to teach us, train us, equip us, help us live our lives in a powerful way, in his strength and not our own. It's really interesting. In Ephesians 5.18, the Apostle Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't rely on other stuff in the world to help you feel powerful, help you feel good, help you feel happy, help you feel relaxed, help you feel like you've got the confidence to be someone that you're not, you're not without alcohol. He's saying, actually rely on the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and make you the person that Jesus wants you to be. And so witnessing and power can only really happen effectively and fruitfully when we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. And when it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a continuous kind of present verb. It's like, it's like don't do it once, not once a week once a month, once a year, once in your life, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, continually welcome his presence. And if you come to Woody's regularly, you will know we often pray for that. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and help us to be all that you want us to be. Come and make me more like Jesus. Give me that power, that boldness to speak of you in a world that doesn't really know you very often. Tomorrow morning when you get out of bed and you're, you're heading off to work and you're, the celebratory vibe of a Sunday night is like a dim and distant memory and you're like cross because it's Monday morning, you've got to go to work and you don't want to be there and you think, ugh, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Come and fill me with your power, with your love, with your mercy, 
Give me your courage to speak of Jesus. Help me to be gentle, but help me to be kind. Help me to have confidence in the, the way of Jesus, the, the way that he has died on the cross, what you've done in my life. Help me to give me an opportunity to talk about that today. We can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it in his. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish now. I have no idea what my clock is. Let me just say, uh, okay, yeah, I've got to stop. <laughs> um, I, I'm nearly there, Wally, not quite. I've got two minutes. So as we come into land, I just want to, I want to kind of go in two directions in a way. The first direction I want to land in is if you're, not, if you're here and you're not someone that knows Jesus yet, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer now, to take a step towards him. To say, actually, I, I may not know all the answers, and I've still got my questions to God. I've still got my questions about faith. And maybe I'm still a bit bruised from religion, or I'm bruised from experiences that I've had in the past. Or maybe I'm not even sure if I believe this God stuff. But I'm up for taking a step towards Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And I'd love it if you repeated it after me, if it's what you want to do. Because now, tonight, in this place, you can get to know Jesus. You can come back to him if you've been a long way from him. You can take a step of recommitting your life to him. And what we'd love to do, if that is you, we'd love to give you a discovery pack. And in here is the Gospel of Luke, the biography of Jesus, written by the same Luke who wrote Acts. There's a little booklet that is called Why Jesus, which explains who Jesus is. And there's an invitation to the Alpha course, which starts on October 3rd. In fact, there's a little Alpha um, visual there we go the alpha course is what Shaz went on and spoke very highly of he said I, I went and I thought I was going to be judged thought I was going to be around people who kind of looked at me and thought ugh but instead he found a welcome he found friends he found really good food and um, he realized that Jesus is for him so consider coming on alpha on October the 3rd but we'd love to give you a discovery pack there'll be at the front and there'll be some at the door so do feel free to take one and if you do pray that prayer in a moment, come, come find us. Because we'd love to connect with you and just pray for you and bless you and encourage you. And the, the second sort of direction I want to go in is I want to encourage you who know Jesus to do what Jesus told us to do. To be his witnesses in the world. To follow in the footsteps of billions of Christians who have gone behind us and will go before us, confidently sharing the message of what Jesus has done. And that thing that I asked you at the beginning, what has Jesus done for you? Maybe this week, you can go into this week and ask God to give you an opportunity to share that one thing with somebody. Maybe a work colleague, maybe somebody that's in your family, maybe a friend. Maybe it means initiating it and saying, actually, I was challenged at church on Sunday to share this one thing. You may think it's a bit strange, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Don't judge me. I'm a nice person. But to take that invitation that Jesus has given us to be his witnesses, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep following in the footsteps of those people who decided to commit their lives to that, that carpenter from Nazareth, that man, but who was also the son of God, who died on the cross for us, who rose again from the dead, defeated death, has forgiven us for all the wrong things we have done and invites us into a relationship with God. Let's not kind of dumb down that and say, oh, well, it's not really that important. Or my life doesn't really count. Other people have much better stories than me. Don't, don't 
mock what God has done in your life. It is so important. Don't diminish it. Don't shrink it. Because every act, every answered prayer, everything that he has done in your life is amazing. You might not be sorted yet. You might be on this long road of getting your life sorted. Welcome to the club. We are all on that road. Let's not wait until we get sorted before we start speaking of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want perfection. He wants to invite us into an obedient relationship with him. Let's, let's pray. I'm going to read this prayer first. If you want to pray this prayer with me, to take a step towards Jesus, then I'm going to leave you a moment to pray the words that I have pray, prayed in your own heart, in your own mind after me. Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the things that I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life and live with me by your Holy Spirit forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And I pray for those of us that know you, Jesus. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit once more. That you would empower us to be your witnesses. To speak of what you have done in our life. To have that confidence to be your heralds in this city. Or wherever you might lead us to be. That we would not sort of diminish and shrink what you're doing in our lives. But we would go out in boldness and confidence to speak of you. And to be the bearers of your good news. In Jesus' name. Amen.